everyone and welcome to a special edition of the Bavarian Podcast Works show. This is I Need No Name and I will be recording solo today because due to a myriad of scheduling conflicts and technical issues, it seems that no one else on Bavarian Podcast Works will be able to record with me. This is a proper flagship show, but I call it a special edition because we are doing a preview of Germany versus Japan today and as well as talking about Manuel Neuer's decision to wear the One Love armband for the opening game of the World Cup. Now, the thing is, if you think my voice sounds a bit strange, that is because I have a bit of a cold and also it is 2 a.m. and I am just desperate to get into bed and just go to sleep right now. So, please bear with me. I am going to talk about Germany as long as I can and then, I don't know, I'm just going to go edit this and go to bed. I, I really have no more energy left in me. So Germany versus Japan, the preview. Last week we talked, me and Tom, about how Germany could line up under Hansi Flick and I heard that there was a game against Oman in midweek. I did not watch it because, well, I don't know why, but it wasn't available on TV here in India. It wasn't available on TV in the United States either, which automatically takes all of BBW out of the equation for doing anything about the game. I do believe we still did a post-game podcast, which I was not able to listen to because I was busy. First of all, I had a ton of homework from my surgery professors. And second, I just got God of War Ragnarok and I have been playing that on and off while I have been down with this cold. So yeah, I have not been thinking about football for at least a week now, which I think is a good thing. That means my opinions are fresh coming into this one and I do recall that I said last week that Germany should be one of the favorites for the World Cup. I find myself slightly revising that opinion because there is a big difference between what the team should be and what the team actually is. In theory, Germany has all it takes to win this World Cup. They have a amazing attack consisting of guys like Jamal Muziala, Leroy Sané, Thomas Muller, I almost said Kingsley Coman. What is wrong with me? Um, Serge Gnabry. Then they have the midfield of Joshua Kimmich and Leon Goretzka, who are completely proven at the club level. The defense, it may not be Bayern's defense, but it is pretty solid, in my opinion, just in terms of the names that are there. David Rahm, Antonio Rudiger, Niklas Zul, Nico Schlotterbeck, and other guys. There is, I mean, Tilo Kerrer, who kind of sucks, but... Um, I'll just be honest, I hope that Hansi does not start him at all in the tournament and the fact that he brought him to Qatar is just a one big joke based on what Carrot did in the Champions League final because otherwise there is no explanation for bringing Tito Carrot to Qatar instead of Matt Hummels. But that is a conversation that we did to death last week and I'm not going to revisit it. I'm just going to talk about why I think Germany might be in trouble. And again, I did not watch the Oman game so it's not based on the test game. I just have been thinking about this Germany side and what could go wrong for them in this World Cup. So let me start first with the lineup. The lineup could go wrong in any number of ways. You have Hansi having to make numerous decisions, right? You have to think about whether Thomas Muller or Niklas Fulkrug will start at striker. Then you have to think about who to bench if you start, say, for example, Fulkrug at striker. Who do you bench? in the other three attacking positions. You have Muziala, Sane, Gnabry, Muller. 
all four of these players have a claim to a spot in the starting 11. Muziala, in my opinion, he should be safe because his performances this season, in terms of both consistency and impact, they are out of this world. And Manuel Norris said in the press conference right before the game that Muziala is one of the guys that he expects to make a difference for Germany in this World Cup. I agree with him 110%. Muziala is the star boy and he is going to carry on the legacy that we saw Thomas Muller start in the 2010 World Cup, which was one of my first World Cups that I ever saw, even though I was not really a football fan back then. Now, the thing is, despite the fact that we are pretty sure that Muziala will play and he will probably be pretty good, who else do you play in the starting 11? We talked about this with Tom like last week, but the thing is that Hansi, he does not have any time left. He cannot use the Japan game as an experimental game. That is the problem that Joachim Le came upon in the 2018 World Cup. He thought that he could cruise to the group stages and then for the knockouts he would be able to put out his best 11 based on what he saw in the groups. That did not happen because it turns out that when you only have three games in the group stage, it's not like a Champions League group stage. You have to do your best in all those three games and Germany have some serious competition. Japan are not easy, okay? I will admit that my knowledge of their team is very limited. I would say I was about to record this podcast with Schnitzel, actually. I don't know what happened to him. We were actually halfway through our recording when he just, like, he disappeared and he has not reappeared and it's like 2 a.m. So I decided to hop on and do a solo thing. I hope he lets me know what happened to him because it's very uncharacteristic of him to just randomly disappear. But yeah, I digress. The thing is that, like, I don't know anything about Japan and I was hoping that Schnitzel would actually tell me something on what would happen because all I know is that they have one player that I know of which is Daichi Kamara the Kovac slayer which he plays for Frankfurt or he played for Frankfurt back when Niko Kovac got sacked and that's it I don't know anything about Japan I don't know who they will line up what their preferred formation is what their tactics are who their coach is I do not know anything and you might be asking in why are you doing a preview if that is the case, and I told you, it's because no one else is available. BPW is very short-staffed this week, so please, I, I, I'm sorry, but I'm not really not the guy who should be doing preview pills, and you can see why. I can still talk about Germany, though. The problem is that Flick, he cannot be experimenting, and because of that, the fact is that I hear a lot of people saying that Germany has a decent amount of depth. He Flick has taken a lot of options for them to the World Cup, and that is going to help Germany when it's crunch time. Now, I think that it is a fair assessment. In my opinion, you can see the value of impact substitutions. Every German fan will remember Mario Goetz's substitution in the final against Argentina, where he came on and scored a goal. And, you know, if that kind of impact can be brought by a substitute, then why would you ever think that substitutes have no value? But there is a point to be made that substitutions only have additional value. They cannot save a mediocre starting 11 or mediocre t- tactics. They are not your get-out-of-jail-free card. And Hansi Flick needs to know this. He has to get his starting 11 and his tactics right from day one. And I don't think he will. I think Germany are in for a slip-up very early in the tournament, which might just set the tone, really, for the rest of the... I don't know, rest of the tournament, which could end up being very short if, well, 
how should I say this, if the tournament goes as pessimistically as I am assuming right now. Look, I am not a huge optimist by anyone's standards, but even I think that Germany should do well. That being said, like, where what do we have to believe in? We All we have is the performances of these guys in buying shirts, right? Is that enough? That is not enough. We have not seen these guys, a lot of these guys, perform in a Germany shirt the way that they should. How good has Leroy Sané been for Germany? Not that good. And how good has Leroy Sané been under Hansi Flick? Never that great. It only clicked for him under Nagelsmann when he was first of all moved to the left, then moved back to the right in his new right winger, right half space, hybrid kind of role. These kinds of things. Hansi, he has a limited amount of time to implement these kinds of tactics and get the best out of the players at his disposal. On top of that, it's a Winter World Cup. Our players already have a ton of mileage on them coming into this because they've been playing Champions League, Pokal, Bundesliga games and obviously everyone here, they are all Champions League, Bundesliga or league regulars for top clubs around the world. So that means that they have a lot of miles on their legs. They're going to be playing in the intense heat of Qatar and that along with the adjustment of not playing in the Bayern Munich environment anymore is going to be hard for them to recover from. That I I do point out that this goes for all the other teams as well. I think that this will affect every single other big national team coming into the tournament. But I feel like Germany is especially susceptible because I feel like cohesion is one of the major strengths or rather major selling points of this Germany side. In terms of just 11 players, 11 versus 11, Germany maybe does not stack up that well against many national teams who are considered favorites to win the World Cup, even if you count France with all their injuries. But if you assume that Germany are coming in with mostly a Bayern Munich 11, which has been absolutely crushing it in Europe this season and is considered probably the best team in the world according to 538's Soccer Power Index ranking, even ahead of Manchester City. When you take that into consideration, then suddenly Germany looks a lot better. And then there's obviously the Hansi Flick Bayern Munich connection. He is... As I said, the guy who won us the sextuple and his brand of football is very well known. That brand of football could also be the Achilles heel of Germany. Let me explain. The thing is that Germany under Hansi Flick, we know how they're going to play. They're going to be gegenpressing. They're going to have a high line. They're going to be trying to attack, score goals, and, you know, defense be damned because that's not how Germany rolls. Because of that, Germany are especially susceptible, in my opinion, in a tournament format where margins are going to be razor slim. The thing is that when you have a team that is predicated on scoring lots but also conceding a lot, it takes very little for the opponent to get an advantage over you and then suddenly make it very difficult for you to score. This is compounded by the fact that Germany have no established striker. It might not be that big of a problem based on what we've seen Bayern do without a true striker this season. We've scored almost 100 goals in our first half of the season. Even if you count Chupo in the latter part of the, like, what is it, Hinrunda? Even if you count Chupo's contribution as adding to that total, even then you could say that Bayern have been extremely successful running without a striker. And there is no reason that these players should not be able to do it at the national team level. Even so, that is not enough because the defense, the defense has so many questions about it. First of all, the fullbacks. Fullbacks, you don't have the kind of quality that 
Hansi Flick's system demands. What does Hansi Flick want from his fullbacks? He wants them to go up and down the pitch constantly. He wants them to essentially function as wingbacks. He wants overlaps. He wants them to also invert from time to time, go into midfield, sometimes support the midfielders in possession, in tracking back. And on top of that, they should be elite defenders in 1v1 situations, which I do not think David Raum and whoever the hell Hansi ends up playing at right back, whether it's Nikola Sula or Taylor Kerrer, whoever he ends up playing, they're not elite 1v1 defenders like Alfonso Davies and even Benjamin Pavard, who everyone will know. I hate Benjamin Pavard. I am behind him over and over again. But I will say that Pavard is levels ahead of every single Germany fullback option right now, except maybe Nikola Sula if he's fit. But the thing is that because of this, the tactics that Hansi employs will be compromised, right? You cannot have the kind of attacking football that Germany demands without fullbacks providing a certain amount of width for wingers like Sané and Gnabry to go inside and be threatening on goal the way they want to be. And also, you cannot have a team that controls the midfield without fullbacks who... Like, you cannot have Joshua Kimmich and Leon Gretz control the midfield if the fullbacks are not tucking inside from time to time and offering themselves as passing outlets. I strongly doubt Raum and the right back, whoever the right back is, abilities to do that. Hansi needs to figure that out. That is my major concern. Second major concern, centre-back spot. Antonio Rudiger. I do not doubt Rudiger as a defender. I think he's improved massively as a pure defender, especially since Thomas Tuchel took over Chelsea and, you know, some some sorted out a lot of Rudiger's mistakes. He's been pretty good at Real Madrid as far as I can recall. I have not seen many Real Madrid games, so I cannot confirm. But I would say Rudiger has not been a bad signing for Real Madrid at the very least. On the other hand, you have the two Dortmund defenders, Nico Schlotterbeck and Nicolas Zula, who are the main candidates for the other centre-backs position. Schlotterbeck at Dortmund, he has been awful and... This is something the Dortmund always do. They always take a good defender and then slowly suck the life out of him until he just looks like a complete and total clown. And Schlotterbeck has been so shaky. But the thing is that you cannot go without Schlotterbeck, in my opinion, in the lineup. Because what does Schlotterbeck offer? He offers a great passing option. Right. Antonio Rudiger, if he has one weakness, it is the fact that he cannot pass the ball that well. I mean, he's not a bad passer by any means, but compared to erstwhile ball-playing centre-backs of Germany national teams in the past, such as, for example, Gerard Boateng, Matt Hummels, those guys, Rudiger does not hold a candle to them. Whereas Zula and Schlotterbeck, these kind of guys, they can make the offensive line-breaking passes through to the midfield, through to the attackers. That is what Hansi Flick wants in his Germany team so that he can have, you know, the fast offensive one-touch, extremely vertical-oriented football that he wants. The problem is that by playing these guys in defense, you will lose a lot of the defensive cohesion that I would say Hansi was very privileged to have at Bayern Munich. And even when he had that privilege at Bayern Munich, we know how many goals his Bayern Munich team conceded. I have defended Hansi in the past by saying that his first season at Bayern Munich, we did not concede that many. And it's true, we did not concede that many. David Alaba was so good that season. But I should point out that the second season, when he didn't have those same defenders playing at the same level, we conceded goals left and right. And also, there was the problem of fatigue. 
that same problem is going to be rearing its head in this campaign, in this Germany World Cup campaign, which is going to be very condensed in the winter in the Qatari heat. Gagin pressing football is going to be very difficult. And it is a problem with the tactics that they need a lot of things to go right. And I don't see every single one of those pieces falling into position for Germany coming into this. And that is why I'm very pessimistic about Germany's chances very suddenly, even though I said last week that there is no reason that Germany should not be considered favorites. Again, they should be considered favorites, right? They, I, I Look, it's not double thick, okay? I'm not, I'm not a character from the 1984 novel by George Orwell, right? I am not some weirdo. But <sighs> Germany makes me hold these two contradicting opinions in my head at the same time that they should be favorites but also they can completely implode at any point in time and we will know in the game against japan which version of germany is going to show up in this tournament if they play dominant good slick football the way we want them to and if thomas muller comes back into the 11 with his usual swagger his usual intelligent calm passing pressing all those qualities if he brings them to the pitch i think germany should be fine but if we don't see that then what hope does germany have for the tournament do you think hansi flick is gonna turn it around by the time germany have to face spain i don't think so okay i don't think that germany get a second chance in this group stage i think they have to beat japan they have to beat spain they have to beat costa rica straight away there is no thinking that okay we can take a dive in this game and then next one we can make up those points that is the kind of thinking that is what cost Yogi Le in 2018 and I think a lot of these players will be aware of that and Hansi Flick will also be aware of that that is going to be a source of extreme pressure and how they deal with the pressure I don't know I don't know how it's going to work out because fundamentally Germany is not Bayern Munich if this was a Bayern Munich team going into the World Cup a full Bayern Munich team with the Bayern Munich ethos and mentality, I would say no. I, I would have complete faith in them. And not just because I'm a huge Bayern Munich fanboy. But this is Germany. And a little bit of what makes Bayern Munich special is lost when it translates to Germany. And that is why I, I'm i going to sit down and make a little bit more of a pessimistic forecast for how Germany might fare. Of course, that is all predicated on the Japan game, which... Well, I don't know what to say. I think it's going to be very important. I don't think there are going to be any second chances in this group. I think Germany have to beat Japan. Otherwise, Costa Rica and Spain are going to go through. So, yeah, that that is my assessment of Germany so far. But there is one other major topic that we have to discuss heading into the game, which is the fact that Manuel Neuer might have to start the game with the yellow card. Why? He is going to wear the One Love armband ahead of the game as, like, you know, the captain is allowed to wear armbands for the games and Noir is going to wear that. What is One Love? One Love is a campaign, a Dutch campaign promoting diversity and inclusiveness. And mainly it is going to be rainbow colored and I believe it is mainly a response to Qatar's massively regressive policies on lgbtq issues i won't go into the actual politics of this because it has been talked about by people who are much more qualified than me to speak about it and in my opinion i think that neuer is completely in the right to do this 
fundamentally, I am not a German, right? I am not a Western European. I'm not even from that hemisphere. I'm from India. I support Germany simply because they have the most Bayern Munich players, and I am a bona fide Bayern Munich fan. When I think about the values that I personally support, I think about inclusiveness, diversity, and I think about what Bayern Munich supports as a club, which is these issues. And as captain of Bayern Munich and Germany, I don't see anything wrong morally with Manuel Neuer going ahead and wearing an armband that supports, well, what can I just say, that supports human rights, you know. But on the other hand, this could cost Germany very strongly in the group stages. And I wish I had an actual German here with me on this podcast talking to me about how he would feel or how they would feel about Germany being penalized because Neuer decided to make a statement not related necessarily to football with his choice of attire and then FIFA sanctioning him. In my opinion, FIFA would be in the wrong because Neuer is not doing anything that compromises the integrity of the game. There is nothing in the laws of the game that says you can't wear a certain type of armband. It's only a rule made by FIFA. And FIFA bought this on themselves. They should not have ever held the World Cup in Qatar. Now, I understand that as, as a Bayern Munich fan, I cannot necessarily take the moral high ground on this because we do have a sponsorship from Qatar Airways and we have taken money from that country as well. So I do not have the right to to take the sanctimonious route and say, oh my god, FIFA is so terrible, etc, etc. Okay, but even so, I would say that Noir's gesture is necessary and it is a good gesture and FIFA had it coming, okay? If FIFA were to decide to sanction Noir by giving him a yellow card from the minute one of the match, first of all, I don't think it compromises Noir much at all because, honestly, he's a goalkeeper. Keepers don't get cards very often unless it's for time wasting and i think nori can play with a yellow just fine you know he's not gonna do anything rash except for the usual norisms that we have gotten very much used to especially in world cups but the thing is if fifa were to do this imagine the backlash especially if nori were to get the second yellow and it gets sent off that would suddenly marry the political and the sporting narratives of the World Cup into one big pile of... I, I can't say the word I was going to say because, well, this podcast is supposed to be marked safe, not explicit. So, yeah, one big pile of you-know-what. Because, look, if you were to do that, they have been trying desperately to sweep attention away from the political nature of the World Cup, the problems with human rights, the problems with migrant workers, LGBT issues, all that stuff towards the sport itself, football itself. And football and the World Cup is such a spectacle that they could be successful, honestly, as sad as I am to admit it, that the footballing spectacle of the World Cup could overshadow every single issue if FIFA just keep their mouth shut and let it just go ahead as a tournament. Once the games start, a lot of these issues will fall to the wayside. But if FIFA decides to put their foot down and decide to sanction Noir for wearing the armband, and then that leads to consequences on the pitch, such as Noir getting a red card. Oh my god, just imagine the outrage, the immense coverage that would come to this. People who would not even be interested in the World Cup before, or not even heard of all these issues, would suddenly be thrust into a completely different light. The people who say stick to sports would suddenly have the sports to talk about their 
politics has entered their safe little bubble that they don't want to be, you know. I'm phrasing it really badly, but if you suddenly bring the politics onto the pitch and let it get in the way of the World Cup and the game itself, you're going to compromise the spirit of the game and the spirit of the tournament. And because of that, I think that the World Cup as a whole will be tainted. And the massive outrage and bad press and negative coverage for both Qatar and FIFA would prompt FIFA, in my opinion, to back down. We will know what is going to actually be done by the time Netherlands kicks off in their opening game, which I believe Virgil van Dijk has already confirmed that he is going to be wearing that same armband that Norris is planning to wear. And he says that he is aware that he could get a yellow card for it. And he said that he understands that he does not like playing with a yellow card, but he is going to talk to his teammates about it. And I think that's the right response. You just talk to your teammates, you just figure out a plan. And if it does happen, it's on FIFA. It's not on Neuer, okay? I get it. A lot of people don't want him to do this. And I get that I am talking from a certain privileged position because I'm not a German. It's not my country's World Cup status at stake. And I completely get that. But I understand that as a Germany supporter, or at least uh, mostly Germany-oriented supporter, I would still appreciate Manu Neuer doing this gesture because, first of all, it's maybe a small gesture and maybe it does not do anything near enough to raise the sins of FIFA and the World Cup in general. But maybe, just maybe, by doing this, by drawing attention to this, he shows solidarity with a group of people who are so marginalized across the world that they deserve a little bit of someone looking out for them someone a celebrity such as Neuer and also they also they as in FIFA get the message that just choosing whoever the hell they want as a World Cup host is not going to fly every single time if they say for example want to move it to China one day maybe they're going to think twice because of the huge backlash that they can expect because they will understand that not just the media or the fans, but also the players themselves won't take these kinds of offenses lying down, even if FIFA don't necessarily gain any kind of financial or criminal backlash from this. It would still, in my opinion, make them think twice in the future. And I think that itself is valuable in terms of just what one tiny small gesture from a captain could do. I have seen the suggestion that Norris should not be talking about this, Norris should not be thinking about this because they have major games coming up and this is only going to be a distraction for the players. In my opinion, these guys are, you know, they are professionals. They have been under immense pressure their entire careers. They know what it's like to perform under pressure. This little bit of talk about a simple armband, it is not going to really, how should I say, it's not really going to throw them any more off balance than they were already if they perform poorly it's not going to be because they were wearing an armband and that's why they were mentally off or something like that it's not going to be because of that it's going to be because of tactics it's going to be because of form it's going to be because of well individual errors individual mistakes coaching mistakes those kinds of things that's what matters on the pitch whereas these things such as noise armband these things don't matter on the pitch itself but they do matter to people across the world in terms of what it represents that is why i think it's a necessary gesture it is not a harmful gesture and nor should go ahead with it in the game against japan 
FIFA will be damned and if FIFA dares to go through with the yellow card sanction, well, first of all, I don't think it's going to hurt Germany all that much, no, I will just play as usual. And second, if it does end up hurting Germany, I hope FIFA is ready for the immense, incredible, immeasurable backlash that they're going to get because suddenly you have done something unforgivable. You have brought politics into the sport and people who generally could look the other way in terms of, you know, the human rights abuses and all that kind of thing. Suddenly they are going to set up and take notice of some very ugly things that FIFA would not want them to take note of. And I know that this sounds a little bit weird. Why? Why would they suddenly take notice of that when they haven't been paying attention for so long? But look at how much traction the sudden cancellation of beer at the World Cup got. Like, that story got way more coverage in the last few days than the migrant worker issue in the past several years. Like, that captured people's minds in a way that the numerous reports of the migrant worker issue did not and because of that well you have suddenly people realizing that Qatar is not as shiny as nice as they might want to present themselves on the big stage at the world cup and because of that suddenly the Qatar sports washing project has been slightly dented way more in my opinion than by all those numerous exposés about corruption in FIFA and the numerous migrant workers deaths it's tragic i know but that's how the world works and that's how people take notice of things and I don't think FIFA is gonna be so dumb as to give the media ammunition again to blast Qatar and them all over again. So that is pretty much my opinion on this sensitive issue. I hope that comments and commentary on this will be as nuanced as I have tried to be. I know that I don't come from a very neutral perspective on this but i hope that people can see my point of view and at least respect it and well do i have any more comments to make well hmm hmm no not really but unfortunately i've only spoken for 30 minutes and i am already apparently coming up on the absolute limit of what i can talk about what else do i want to talk about i want to talk about if i could if this was the weekend warm up like chuck likes to do i would talk about like the video games I've been playing, like God of War or Pokemon, but I guess I can't do that. So let me talk about something that about this World Cup that is very important to me. That is Thomas Muller's scoring record. Thomas Muller, he needs to get goals this World Cup, okay? He is on 10 World Cup goals and he didn't get a single one in 2018. Absolutely tragic in my opinion. And he could go down as the top scorer in World Cup history if he just gets six more goals. And I don't think that's impossible, okay? I'm not crazy. Thomas Muller is not the goal scorer he used to be, but in a team with guys like Miziana, Mane, Gnabry, I did, I said Mane again, oh my god, Bayern is just on my brain right now. I have not switched to World Cup fever, even though the first match has already been played. Look, with an attack supporting him, like Musiala, Sane, Gnabry, and with Hansi Flick's tactics, which are tailor-made for a guy like Thomas Muller to shine, why shouldn't he score, right? It's only because he does not have the confidence anymore to go for shots that he has generally lost in the last few years ever since the penalty miss against Atletico Madrid and playing second fiddle to Robert Lewandowski at club level that he does not really go for goals anymore. But Thomas Muller, he has all the qualities to become a World Cup top scorer. And just imagine what a great narrative that would be. We are in a generation of 
living legends right now. There are guys like Cristiano Ronaldo, Leo Messi, guys like Neymar, Suarez, Mbappe. All these guys are playing right now. And in the midst of that, the guy who ends up being the World Cup top scorer of this generation, Thomas Muller. Just imagine what that says about Germany, about Bayern Munich, and about football as a whole. The guy that is not exceptional in any single way, except for his mental game, his positioning. A guy like that can become the greatest scorer in the great, in the biggest competition in world football, and maybe even world sport as a whole. I hope that Muller does it. I know it's a complete pipe dream. It probably won't happen, and... Well, Germany's chances in the World Cup, I have already been quite pessimistic about them. But it's just one of my huge dreams that Thomas Muller gets another six goals and at least equals, if not beats Miroslav, closes the record in the World Cup. And then he leads Germany to victory and then he gets the FIFA Ballon d'Or next season. Sorry, the France football Ballon d'Or next year. And rubs it in Lewandowski's face by saying, Louis, here we go something like that i don't know i am just rambling at this point because it's 2 30 a.m i've somehow managed to talk for 35 minutes while nursing a really sore throat and i don't want to keep you waiting for any longer i'm gonna go to bed now no i have to edit first but i'm gonna edit and then go to bed and thank you for listening this was the Bavarian podcast works flagship show a solo episode by me i need no name i'm sorry that we could not get anyone else on today because well, it's been a hugely hectic issue uh, for getting more people onto the podcast lately. We just have so many scheduling issues between all of us, different time zones, different work-life balances. It's just it's just been the best. But we still are dedicated to bring you as much content as we can. We are going to do a full post-game show of Germany's games in this World Cup each and every single time, as well as a full preview every single week in our flagships. So stay tuned for that and please keep listening. Check out our earlier podcast where we talk about Germany and the World Cup and Bayern in detail. And we will see you next time, which will probably be our post-game show for the Japan game. So stay tuned for that and thank you for listening. You can find us on pretty much any podcasting platform, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, whatever you want. And we are also on Twitter at Bavarian FP Works. Check out our blog if you want to join the discussion. If you want to yell at me for my opinions, I look forward to them because I read every comment and I respond to them. So, yeah, thank you for listening and I will bid you a good night.